without the Lord, without knowing where they're going. But I'm glad that I, uh, I do. Thank God for that. I'm going to try to preach tonight out of 1 Timothy chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me. Let's do this. Verse 21. I want to go there, okay? I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, which means this is pretty serious what he's about to say, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. That means that you ought not call your little boy to preach. If he's a stinker and he's carnal, you may love him, but he doesn't mean God's called him to preach. Amen. I don't know where that came from, but it felt pretty good. Is everybody okay? Nothing but partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man. That doesn't mean fight them. There's been some people through the years I've wanted to lay hands on, you know. That's not what that means. That's talking about putting people in the ministry and ordaining folks. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. And notice these next three words. I want to give these to you, and this will be the title of today's message. Keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. And I want to talk to you for a little while on keeping yourself, and there ought to be some things that you ought to keep. There's some things we ought to keep. And I want to pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight. Uh, I, uh, I am, someone told me the other day that I was a professional theologian. I thought, well, that's a, that's a nice way of saying you're a preacher. Amen. <laughs> a professional theologian. That just sounds more polished, doesn't it? Amen. I'm going to put that on my Twitter bio. Amen. Professional theologian. And all these professional theologians like to argue big concepts like uh, one that I see argued quite often really has been argued for centuries is the concept of God's sovereignty versus the free will of man. And the Arminians and the Calvinists like to go at each other and lob truth bombs on each other and say man has free will and God is sovereign. And, and another way they put it now is uh, God's sovereignty versus man res man's responsibility. And I stand back there as a Baptist being neither Calvinist nor Arminian and say that uh, can both of them be correct at the same time and they not contradict? Now that's a big concept that, uh, that a lot of people have wrestled with for centuries, but I think God can be sovereign and man can have responsibility at the same time. And I've noticed this when I look at that word at the end of that verse 23 where it says, keep thyself pure, and it talks about keeping yourself I started looking and I realized that God charges me with some things to keep, but at the same time, God keeps some things for me as well. Did you know that? The first thing I want you to see that God keeps of mine is my salvation. God keeps that for me. I want you to go over to 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and look at this passage of Scripture with me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, there's a song that we sing in the hymn book that uh, talks about this verse right here. Verse number 12, 2 Timothy 1, 12 says, For the for the which cause I also suffer these things, let, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know who, whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to... What's that word? Let's try that again. All right, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and, able, and am persuaded that he is able to do what? To keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God keeps my salvation. Matter of fact, flip over there to the book of Jude, the last book of, right before the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at uh, one verse there right towards the very end of the book of Jude. The Bible says in Jude, uh, verse number 24, the Bible says, Now unto him uh, that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Verse number 24 of the book of Jude says that he is able to keep me from falling, meaning that Jesus Christ is the one who saved me, and he is the one who is keeping me. And I worry about these people who think you've got to get resaved every year. It makes me wonder if they got the real dose of the real thing the very first time. Amen. I've never doubted my salvation. I know what God did for me. And I know that He is He has saved me from the penalty of my sin. He is now, as He works in me, He is saving me from the power of sin. And there's going to come a, come a day where Jesus comes to get me and He's going to save me from the very presence of sin as I leave this earthly realm. Amen. And I'm glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is keeping my salvation. I'm, and that, by the way, that's that's really a, uh, a something He has promised that He would do. That's if you can put it that way, it's an unconditional covenant. He promises that He'll keep my salvation. Amen. But there's some things also that I need to keep. God has His part, and I have my part as well. And I, I look back at that verse we started with, 1 Timothy chapter 5, where it says, keep thyself pure. And I started looking in the Bible to see what are some of the things that I, as a Christian, am supposed to keep. And uh, I want to show you a few of those things, if that's okay. I'm going to give you four points tonight, and uh, I, I don't know, I've got 27 minutes to preach, and I'm going to try to get through four points in 27 minutes, if that's okay. Is everybody all right with that? All right, there's nothing good on TV tonight. So you just have to trust me, okay? Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. I want you to see this. There are some things that you and I are supposed to keep as Christians. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And we're going to go down to verse number 20. Here's something we're supposed to keep. Look there. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 20 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. And I say amen to that. It says there, verse 20, keep that which is committed to thy trust. The first thing that you and I are supposed to keep is our stand on doctrine. Our stand on doctrine. I want to tell you that there are people in the local church today that they are in the perpetual pursuit of everything weird. Yeah. I want to say that again because I don't think some of you get that. There are people in the local church today that it is the never-ending, it's like an addiction to them. It is a drug to them. They are absolutely addicted and always on the hunt for the next bizarre, weird, and kooky thing. And they're trying to read that into their Bible. And I want to tell you, the Bible says, keep that which is committed to thy trust. And look what it says right there after that. It says, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Can I tell you right there that the flat earth is not in the Bible? Even if it was in the Bible, that's not even the emphasis of the Bible. That's a side note to the side note to the side note of the, what's in the Word of God. And so you people standing up preaching whole messages on the flat earth theory. You're a bunch of crazy lunatics and you have, you have, kept, you have given away your doctrinal position, your doctrinal stands, what it is. Can I tell you this? Everybody, is, is everybody okay on that one? I, I want to tell you this, that uh, there are people out there that I see that all they want to do is talk about Nephilim all the time. Genesis 6. Do you realize there's a Genesis 7 too, right? 
And there's a Genesis 8, and there's a Genesis 9, and there's a Genesis 10, there's a Genesis... But you're just stuck in Genesis 6. That's all you want to talk about. It's weird. It's crazy. And we I, I personally think we've had some people in this church through the years that anything weird and anything crazy, these vain, as the Bible calls them, profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, they are always talking about... They can't talk about the gospel. They can't talk about Jesus. They can't talk about Bible doctrine. But they can talk about this weird constellation in, of a woman coming in the stars in seven years it kind of swoops around that's bizarre listen you're weird you're weird when, when I can sit up here and preach a whole message on Calvary and you don't budge but if somebody says Nephilim and you you're weird and there's churches that are doing that all over the place all they want to talk about they want to get up and talk about angel, guardian angels there's a guardian angel flying all over you no there's not Where'd you get that, weirdo? That's bizarre, crazy. That's what the Bible calls profane and vain babblings. You don't got no Bible for that. But you need to make sure that you stand for what's right. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to stand for the deity of Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand for the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand for trying to reach this old world with the gospel of Christ. I'm going to stand for the pr preservation and inspiration of the scriptures. I'm going to stand for that. And by the way, i got a copy of it right here in my own language. don't even have to learn Greek or Hebrew. Amen. I've got it right there in my Bible right here, and I'm going to stand for that. But there's a lot of people getting away from all that kind of stuff. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I want you to see this here. Paul really, I mean, he's working over Timothy saying, look, there ain't no, there ain't no need to budge on nothing. Some of y'all rethinking the wheel over and over again, making a mess out of things. You're improving things to death and you're making a big mess. First Timothy chapter, first uh, Timothy chapter, excuse me, second Timothy chapter one, verse 13 says this, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing. What is that good thing? That's your Bible doctrine. That good thing which was committed unto thee. What's that next word? Keep it. Keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And I'm going to tell you right there, you cannot keep the, the good thing that was committed unto you unless you do verse number 13, hold fast the form of sound words. I like Bible language. He's not gay, he's a sodomite. You're, you're, you're not, you're not you, don't, you don't suffer from alcoholism, you're just a raging drunk is what you are. You're not promiscuous. You're just a fornicator is what you are. Hold fast the form of sound words. And by the way, all these people throwing around these cliches. we got too many cliches in Christianity today. Well, God works in mysterious ways. No, He doesn't. He works according to this book. Not that mysterious, is it? Some of y'all worshiping a, a ghost on the History Channel or say, spooky God, what you worship. It's mysterious ways. No, he don't work in no mysterious ways. He works according to this here King James Bible. That's exactly how God works. That's how he's always worked. That's how he always will work. And you need to hold fast the form of sound words. You got to know what the Word of God says. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this. Go, go with me to chapter 4 of the same book. Let's go there. There's some things that we ought to keep, and the one thing we ought to keep is our doctrinal stand and doctrinal position. And if we budge from that, then we have we have no integrity. We have nothing. God will keep us, but there's some things we got to keep. And one thing we got to keep is our doctrinal stand. Second Timothy chapter four and verse number six says this. Paul says, "I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have what." kept the faith. 
I get worried about these churches. They start bringing in all kinds of weirdos. They start bringing in Seventh-day Adventists so that the Seventh-day Adventists can teach us creation. I see a lot of that. I see them bringing in free Presbyterians so they can preach to us a little bit. That makes me nervous. And I've seen the effects of that firsthand. Is everybody all right tonight? Some of y'all still... Y'all ain't bringing in Seventh-day Adventists into y'all's church, are you? I mean, no, some of y'all, some of y'all making me nervous. I, I'm, I'm for people that are that are on, on the same page doctrinally, but I'm going to tell you right now, some of these churches are, are, are giving away their faith. They're not keeping the faith because they're too wrapped up in politics. Yeah. And if a singing group comes in and, they, and we see them on YouTube and they sing real good, who cares if they talk in tongues? They're a good old bunch of Kentucky boys. We're going to bring them in and let them sing in front of the church. And then we're just going to ask them not to speak in tongues while they're at our church. That happens. That's a disgrace is what that is. I ain't hobnobbing with no bunch of country boys who sing bluegrass gospel good, even though they're a bunch of Pentecostal tongue-talking, tongue-flabbing crazies, and just ask them not to come and do that at our church. I ain't standing for none of that stuff. Amen. I have kept the faith. And here's the problem. A lot of people won't do that because people are going to people going to leave. Yeah. I want to tell you, it's just time to let the chips fall where they may. It, it, listen, Kenneth Copeland straight out of hell. Yeah. Bethel music straight out of hell. We, we was at a piano recital just the other day. And before we even we, before we, that thing even started, somebody in the back, some idiot in short pants walking around with his shorty shorts on in the church. Getting there playing music in that in that PA system. He's playing Bethel music. I'm not standing for that. They can do what they want to, but I ain't standing for that. Some of y'all tight. Some of y'all need to back me up when I'm preaching. I, I feel like I'm on an island all by myself sometimes. <laughs> it's hard being the only one who loves God in here. <laughs> But Sean ain't even saying amen. What you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's, I, I, I've been around a lot of these young church planters through the years. And you know what What happens when they they go out and they knock doors and they wear themselves out and they, they I mean, it's, it's they, they work. And I'm talking about they work to get a church started. It's an enormous amount of manpower to get a church off the ground. And, uh, and then a family walks in and they've got four or five kids and they all look good and they all dress sharp. And, and that, that church planter just goes, oh, a family, all right. They come in and they start talking all this Gothard talk. I'm not, I don't know about that, but it's a family. Puts them young church planters in a in a spot. They got to think: Do I want families or do I want what's right? And some of them don't make the right choice, and it scares me. But Paul says, "I kept the faith." I'm going to tell you this: but when I die, I want to I want to still be an independent fundamental Baptist. I want to still have the right standards, right music. I still want to be the right kind of guy. I want to keep my integrity. And if I lose everything, I'm still going to stand where God told me to stand. And I'm going to tell you, God keeps us, but there's some things we ought to keep. Keep your faith and quit messing around with all this doctrinal heresy that's out there. Amen. Let me say the second thing. Oh, I, I don't, that's only one point right there. Let me tell you the second thing as you turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me real quick. The second thing that we ought to keep not only is our 
stand on doctrine. But number two, we ought to be keeping our spiritual unity. Spiritual unity. Ephesians 4, verse number 1 says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness. By the way, some of these preachers strutting like turkeys. You know, that, that's, that scares me. A man who's big on the Lord's going to be low on himself. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. And notice this phrase right here, forbearing one another in love. You know what that means? Forbearing. You ever heard the phrase unbearable? If, you, if people, if you don't know anybody who's unbearable, then it might just be you. The Bible says forbearing one another in love. I, can I tell you this? I've been in church for over 20 years now, and I'm going to tell you something. I never knew weird people until I started going to church. Some of God's people are weird. The gospel light attracts some strange bugs. And that's, that's what we're doing today. And that's what, it's funny to me that the Bible says for we to, we got to forbear one another. It means I got to put up with your shenanigans and you got to put up with mine. And that we ought not kill each other over that kind of stuff. Why? The Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I believe that it's possible that more churches are destroyed by interpersonal conflict than they are by doctrinal heresy. Even Paul, when he talked to the church of Corinth, he, he admonished them. He said, be careful that you don't bite and devour one another. I think the devil, and matter of fact, Adrian Rogers, the great Southern Baptist preacher of yesteryear, said this. He said the devil would rather start a church fight than sell a barrel of whiskey any day of the week. I've seen churches go to war over, over all kinds of foolishness. And I'm going to tell you, that, that, that ought to be, there ought to be, listen, that ought to never happen in the house of God. Now, look, I'm going to tell you here, my name is Spencer Smith, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something about, about me, okay? Uh, I, I'm not your enemy. I'm not your enemy. And you're not my enemy. I may annoy you at times. I don't know how that's possible. I'm a wonderful person. I may annoy you at times, and I'm, I, I, may, I may say an offhanded comment here and there that you may not appreciate here and there, but even still, I, I'm not your enemy uh, because, you know what, I, I'm, a, I'm a fellow brother in Christ, and if you don't like me now, you're gonna, what are you going to do when we spend eternity together? You, we're going to have a hard time. The devil, I mean, the Lord might judge you and put you right next door to me. Amen. We'll share, we'll be in the same apartment complex. Brother Sean's going to be my gardener. Amen. <laughs> He's going to do a good job too, or I'll fire him. But you know, I'm not your enemy. We're a family. And we ought to keep it that way. Backbiting and killing and nasty, that ought not be going on. I'm going to show you this in Ephesians 4. Go to the, go to the last verses in the Bible. Or in the in the in the chapter of Ephesians four. Ephesians four, we started the beginning. Let's go to Ephesians four at the very end, okay? Ephesians four, verse number thirty. Uh, let's just go to verse twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That that's potty mouth talk right there. But that which is good good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And notice this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You ever see how these pro wrestlers talk about each other? 
I'm going to kill him. I'm going to destroy him. He's dead meat. I've seen church ladies talk like that. She's dead. Lord have mercy. What are you married to? Ought not be that way in the house of God. And look what it says, verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You know the aggravating thing that God's people do that you don't like? You know, you do that to God every day. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if we treated each other the way, I wonder if God treated us the way we treat each other. We'd all be struck by lightning by now. I was up there when he started out his ministry. He was very zealous and very military minded. And he was, and his wife told him, she said, honey, I think you're too hard on these church people. And he said, no, I'm not. Woman, ain't no way I'm too hard on these church. This is, this is God's army. We got to go, go, go. And his wife told him this. He said, um, she said, honey, and she's a godly woman. She said, honey, I grew up around sheep. She said, uh, I've learned something about sheep through the years. You can shear sheep many times, but you can only skin them once. You can shear a sheep many times, but you can only skin a sheep once. And I think sometimes we, we dance that line a little bit, don't you think? And I want to tell you that we ought to keep the spiritual unity. You ought to go out of your way to make this a happy place. Is everybody with me so far? Can I give you two more? Keep yourself. Keep your doctrinal stand. Your stand on doctrine. Number two, we ought to do everything we can to keep our stance, excuse me, to keep our spiritual unity. But number three, we ought to do everything we can to keep ourselves from sin. I want you to go to First John chapter five, and as we turn there, I've been uh, I've been dealing with the uh, with the teenagers on Sunday mornings when I'm here. Preacher split the youth group in half and gave all the little blessings to Cameron and Sarah. He gave me all the little devils. Amen. Gave me all the wicked ones. All the wicked. You wouldn't believe some of the things. And they think, I don't know. It's horrible. Verse John chapter 5. Well, I mean, Tristan's in there. What do you expect? I mean, come on. Goodness gracious. Tristan's not that bad. Look at verse 17. This is what we've been talking about this in, in teen Sunday school. First John 5, 17. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. And we know this. It says, we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth. Do you see that right there? Keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. <clears throat> now, in the book of First John, there's that... There's those three letters at the end of these words, E-T-H. Do you see that right there? It says, whosoever born of God sinneth not. Uh, and it talked about he that is begotten of God keepeth, E-T-H, at the very end of those words. What that is in, in, in grammar, that's an infinitive. That's a perpetual state. That's like what that means is, if I could put it in like a modern vernacular, and I'm not retranslating the Bible. What, what I'm trying to do is give you understanding. Verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God is not living in perpetual sin continually when it says sinneth not does that make sense meaning this that don't you dare tell me that you're and you're 
and you're and you're you're doing all kinds of terrible, wicked stuff with your body, or you're you're cussing, fornicating, fighting, doping, partying, listening all kinds of crazy, wicked music, watching all kinds of crazy type of entertainment as a perpetual lifestyle, and you turn around and look me dead in the face and tell me that you're a Christian, don't you lie to me? You're a liar. You ain't no you ain't no more saved than Saddam Hussein is saved. You ain't no more saved than Hugh Hefner was saved. You ain't no more saved than Joe Biden saved. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Look what it says. We all know that whatsoever or whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Meaning this. Before you got saved, you swam in sin. You just were doing the backstroke in it. You were just baptizing yourself in it. You loved it. But now that you're saved, you got out of the pool. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get wet every once in a while, but it does. But it means that you don't swim in it perpetually anymore. And if God has not changed your life like that, then you need to be born again, sir. But it says, but he that is begotten of God, notice this, keepeth himself. Keepeth himself from what? From sin. When I got saved, I was just like anybody else. I was, I was listening to the world's music, watching the world's entertainment. But when I got saved, I remember one time, it was probably like a month after I got saved, I, uh, I went home on a Sunday night and just was in at home by myself and had a little while to kill. And so I, I put a movie in the TV and started watching a movie. And it was the same old type of movie. I'd always been watching some old action movie. And I remember the language that they would use. And I remember the, the things that they said in the movie. And after a while, I just kind of just felt just icky. That's a good Bible word, icky. Just felt, just kind of just felt, ugh, I just, and I remember that night I, I took that movie out of the, out of the DVD player and I said, I ain't watching that movie no more ever again. And then I sat there and wondered, why did I just do that? I used to love this movie. I'd watch this movie all the time. But now, now that I'm saved, what, I just don't like it anymore. Why? Because it says there in the verse, it says, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Matter of fact, let me show you this. Can I can I show you something real quick? Is everybody all right? I'm going to show you two verses, okay? Can I, can I show you two verses? We're going to flip back and forth between two verses. All right. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22. Let's go there. 2 Timothy 2.22. And then James 4.7. That's those are the two verses I want you to see. I'm going to give you just a second to get there with, with me. 2 Timothy 2.22 and James 4.7. All right, so, all right, let's go to James 4.7. You there? I, I got my Bible like, I'm holding my Bible like this. Okay, that's what I'm doing. I got one verse here, one verse there, okay? James 4.7, you there? All right, look at it. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. That needs to be put up on the bathroom walls of every church. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. That'd be excellent. And uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's let's go back. Verse seven. I, okay, I read verse eight, didn't I? Verse seven. You ready? Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the Bible says to resist who? The devil. All right. Second Timothy two twenty two. Flip over there with me. Look look what it says. You there? It says, flee also youthful lust. Now, I'm going to flip between these two. The Bible says to resist the devil. That means when the devil comes into your life, push back. Be a charismatic. Be like, I rebuke you in Jesus. No, don't do that. Um, fight the devil. Push back against the devil. Resist the devil. 
But when it says when youthful lust comes, you better run for your life. That's what that, that's basically, it's compared and contrasting the two. What he's saying there is, and, and as I compare these two verses, it tells me the power of youthful lust. Run for your life against lust, but resist the devil. Now, tying that back in, there's some things we ought to keep. We ought to keep ourselves from sin. We ought to keep ourselves from flesh. We ought to keep ourselves from wickedness. Because if we give that away, if we give that away, we give ourselves away to abandon ourselves to just the lust of the flesh, we lose our testimony. And when you lose that, it's hard to get that back. There's a preacher that I know of. Had a good ministry going. Ruined his life with a woman. You know what? He gave his ministry away. When he, when he gave it away, he'll never get it back. He'll never, he'll never get in the pulpit ever again. And if he does, I'm going to be there to make sure that somebody, somebody says something. And that's the problem today. A lot of infant Baptists don't want to say nothing, preacher. That's the problem. Let me give you this last one real quick. Go with me to the book of Jude. Number one, keep your stand for doctrine. Number two, let's keep the spiritual unity. Number three, keep yourself from sin. Flee certain things. Flee. Oh, run from those things. Even says in the book of Proverbs chapter 7 about the, the wicked woman. said, remove thy way far from her. Which means you ought not be friends with her on Facebook. These, I mean, there's Bible college girls that as soon as, I mean, I, as soon as they went away from Bible college, I'm talking about they went down the wicked road. And I, I mean, you'd see the things they'd post. I said, nope, unfriend. I saw a Facebook story just yesterday that I was horrified. I thought, what is this woman doing posting that? And, and I, she goes to a church that supports me. Bye. If you don't like it, I'll tell you, Pastor, we'll have a, we'll have, we'll have a talk. Ain't no $50 a month worth it to me. I, I don't care. I'm going to keep myself from all that. Go with me to the book of Jude. You there? Verse number 18. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now, the funny thing is, I'm going to tell you about the book of Jude real quick. The book of Jude was written by an apostle named Thaddeus. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, you say, raise your hand and say, I can't remember anything Thaddeus ever said in the Bible. Would you raise your hand? I don't remember anything Thaddeus. Be honest now. I, I don't Okay, It's because he didn't say anything. You know what Thaddeus was? He was just there. He was quiet. He stood in the back. Hands in his pocket, probably just stand there watching all this stuff happening the whole time. Wasn't a vocal guy, but then right at the very end of the Bible, he comes out with swinging haymakers on false teachers. And it is the most glorious book I've ever read. I mean, it, it, by the way, it's the quiet ones that you better watch because those guys will snap and go crazy. It's not the real loud ones. If you're ever out in the street and you see a big braggadocious guy full of hubris, he's not dangerous. It's the guy next to him that's really still, that's the dangerous one. Brother Sean, is that true? Okay, you've done a lot of street fighting. Amen. And blanket ships. Brother Sean, I was told that if, you, if you're out in the street, look at the guy's ears, and if his ears are tore up, he's done a lot of fighting in his life. <laughs> Don't mess with that guy. He's like a rough pit bull. Don't fight him. But I mean, you're the one who taught me that. Amen. So, 
That's not true. Amy taught me that. So, so. <laughs> that's why her ears are covered by her hair all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. No. Are her ears? I'm sorry. I don't even look at her no more. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all are making me nervous. Lord of mercy, what have y'all done? <laughs> I need a drink of water. <sighs> Thaddeus comes out. Boy, he's letting it fly, man. You ought to read the book of Jude. It's quite amazing. By the way, the Bible is not boring. He calls, he calls false teachers a bunch of brute beasts. Can you imagine a guy getting up on a street corner and say, you're a bunch of brute beast. That's just, that's, he probably wouldn't have been able to go to Crown College if he'd been acting like that. But he's, he's, he's just roasting these people. And then verse number 20 says this, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at, what's the first word of verse number 21? Keep. You know what he's saying? He says there, keep yourselves in the love of God. Here's what I want to tell you. We need to keep our stand for doctrine. We need to keep our spiritual unity. We need to keep ourselves from sin. But let me say this lastly real quick, and we'll finish this sermon. You need to keep yourself from being sour. There's a lot of sour people today. It's Nancy Pelosi. Like a bunch of drunks at a biker bar. Sitting in pews of churches. These bunch of crap. It's Joe Biden. I mean, it's like it's like I'm. I mean, it's like, I don't even know what is this a church or what is this? What what is what is the what is all this? Sourness is what it is. Some people, uh, some people accuse me of that all the time. The problem with them is they they never heard a man preach ever in their life. They've been listening to Joel Osteen and all these other wiggly weirdos their whole life, and then they finally hear a man get up and say, Thus saith the Lord, it just blows them away. That, that's Bible preaching, but I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just sour, mean people. Fight the good fight of faith, but don't get sour in the battle. I had a struggle with this early on in my ministry. When I got saved, I, God called me to preach, and then I went to Bible college. When I was in Bible college, God called me to missions. And then when I went into missions, I, I had to go on deputation. And, uh, and I thought, man, every church that I'm going to go to, they're going to be so excited. Because, you know, when I, got, when I got saved, everybody just... When I got called to preach, everybody's like, this is great. And when I went to Bible college, everybody's like, this is so good. When I graduated Bible college, everybody's like, yeah. And then when, when I said, hey, God's called me to missions, everybody said, oh. And, I th and, and, and my heroes in the faith, men like Johnny Pope, walk up to him and say, Brother Pope, I appreciate your prayers. God's called me to the mission field. Act like I was a leper. Shame on those men. I wasn't even trying to get money. I was just trying to ask them to pray for me. I got sour. I opened up a and in the middle, you know, you got all these preachers, you know, advertising their church. I wrote down the address of every single one and mailed them a letter, let them know what God was calling me to do. 
Two or three of them called back. But almost, almost 100% of the response that I got was either nothing or negative from that crowd. And it's funny, they treat, they treat the younger preachers that way, preacher. And then, and then you go to the conferences online, and it looks like a nursing home convention. Listen, when these older preachers scowl at the younger preachers and get mad at them for studying... I mean, we, we, we're doing what you taught us to do, and then now, you, now that we get to be about 30 years old, all of a sudden we're a threat to your ministry. And you act like we don't exist, and then, and then your, your, your conference is turned into a nursing home convention where the youngest guy preaching is 68 years old, carrying on the heritage of this. No, you ain't nothing. You're, you're, you're a dying breed what you are. More, more young men are going contemporary because of the attitude of the older independent fundamental Baptist preachers than anything else. It has less to do with the appeal of Stephen Furtick and more to do with the disdain that younger preachers are dealing with from the, from the scowls of the older preachers. Some of y'all didn't like that. A lot of these older men, when they saw a younger missionary walk in, they saw a whipping post. After a couple of years, I got tired of that. It got sour. But I found this out. I found that life will make you sour if you let it. People will say ugly things to you that they should they have no right to say that to you. People will, be, will treat you in ways they, they had no right, no right to treat you that way. Things, even in, in a good church, things will be said that should have never been said. In my worldview, I, I think the world's getting worse and worse. It's not going to get no better. So what are we going to do? We're going to get angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and about everything. All the, Is that how we're going to be forever? Is that how we're going to act? No, I don't think that's Christian. The world's going to get worse and worse, and we ought to be doing as the Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God. I listen to Lester Roloff on our radio station. I like him because he, he lets the fur fly. Lester Roloff's the only man I ever heard in my life that could that could read John three sixteen and preach for forty minutes on the on the evils of Coca Cola. And that's exactly what he does. Go listen to it. Exactly what it is. It's amazing, but it somehow makes sense. You know, I repented of Coca Cola's the other day. No, I did not. But before he preaches, actually, I think right at the very end of his sermons, he sings a song, and the, the lyric of the song is, Keep in touch with Jesus, and he will keep you sweet. We've got a lot of sour people today. Sour. Nah. Nah. There's some things we ought to keep, and we ought to keep ourselves from being sour in these last days. I'm going to pray, and then preach whatever you want to do is fine with me. Let's pray, and pray that the Lord speak to your heart tonight. Father, Lord, we live in a weird age, a wicked age, a, an awful age. And uh, Lord, I don't think anything's going to get worse. But Lord, help us to be help us to be the Christians that we're supposed to be. Help us to, Lord, keep ourselves pure, keep ourselves away from sin and sourness and compromise and things of that nature. Help us have a good, strong stand in these last days. And we'll give you glory for everything you do. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. I have never seen the face 
of my Savior, but serving Him has been such a thrill. I have never seen the gates to that city. One day, one day I will. One day I'm gonna walk on the streets of pure gold. They'll tell me the head has never yet been told. I'll be united with love. On Zion's holy hills, one day, one day I will. Since the day I first met him, he has been all to me. And my life with joy he has filled. And I'm longing for the day when my eyes shall behold him. But one day, one day I will. One day I'm gonna walk. On streets of pure gold, they'll tell me the half has never yet been told. I'll be united with loved ones on Zion's holy hill. One day, one day I One day I'm gonna walk on streets of pure gold. They'll tell me the half has never yet been told. I'll be united with loved ones on Zion's holy hills. One day, one day I Hey guys, your friend Spencer here. I believe that everybody needs three homes. First of all, you need a heavenly home. I got mine when I was 18 years old and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and was saved. And God gave me a home in heaven. Number two, I believe that everybody needs a physical home, a place where you live with your family. This is my home here and this is our office where we shoot a lot of our videos and do a lot of our ministry work from here. And so this is my earthly home. And number three, I believe everybody needs a church home. And we've had a lot of people ask us, Spencer, we see the problems of what you're talking about, but we don't know where to go to church now. What do we do? 
And so I kind of asked God to help us with this, and we've been able to put together a website for you called independentbaptist.church. Independentbaptist.church. You can go on that website and type in your zip code and whatever distance you're willing to travel, and then you can find what we have as far as our records for a church for you. Now, this is a list that is always a work in progress, and we're always pruning and adding and doing all kinds of stuff like that. And so in time, we hope to expand this list and see what God does with it there. We've had people from all over the country email us and say, Spencer, because of this website, I have found my new church family. We rejoice with these people and uh, thank God for all that he's done with this. So independentbaptist.church is your website to help you find a new local church that believes the Bible, preaches the Bible, and does not bow to the modern-day compromise and watered-down Christianity that is so prominent today. And so we encourage you guys to visit independentbaptist.church. God bless you, friend. When I was 18 years old, I was under terrible conviction of my sin, and I didn't understand what I needed to do. I really was lost and had no man to guide me. I went to the grocery store, and a book caught my eye, and it was called God's Promises for Your Every Need. This is the exact copy of that book, the one that I bought when I was 18. As I was going through the book, I discovered that it really didn't have a whole lot about the plan of salvation in there. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you'll let me someday, I'd like to do a book, something like this, but better. And that being said, the Lord has allowed us to do a book just like that. And we are thrilled to introduce to you guys today the Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. This book has over 300 pages of Bible verses categorized in all different relevant topics. What does the Bible say about addiction? What does it say about being afraid? What does it say about alcohol? What does it say about backsliding and baptism, the local church? Uh, what does it say about carnality and character? Uh, we cover topics like finances, money, persecution, preaching, profanity, sobriety, strife, vengeance, unbelief, your thoughts, your testimony, your walking with God, worship and witnessing and zeal. All of that is covered in this book. This book contains over 2,000 different verses on all these topics. And we encourage you guys to hit the link in the description below and buy one of these off of Amazon and consider buying one for a friend or a family member as a gift. And you could buy one for a person who's struggling because this book is designed to help people understand what the Bible has to say about all these great topics. We pray that the Lord would bless you as you get your copy of the Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. stage and perform to Sasha Fierce, when does she show up? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. The Lord dealt with the church of Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2 verse 20, and he said this, Notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And so the church of Thyatira was actually letting a complete, total heretic within the church to teach in the church. And then the Lord dealt with the church of Laodicea in chapter 3, and he says in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And so the church of Thyatira was accommodating apostasy, and the church of Laodicea was accommodating apathy. And I think today a lot of churches are like a hybrid of the two. They are accommodating the apostasy of our day, and then they don't even care. They're so just apathetic towards all the things of God, and they're letting the world die and go to hell all around them, and they're doing nothing to give an answer. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching the truth. They've gone into the entertainment business. On the other end of this argument, I keep hearing them say over and over, the Lord commands us to meet. The Lord commands us to meet. He does not. say the clock is ticking. Time is very short. We are in the last seconds of the last days. And for the Christian, things are looking really good because things are looking really bad. And everything's not falling apart. Everything's falling right into place. This is the last stand. This is the end of the road. It's time for you to awaken to righteousness and sin not, because some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. This may be your last chance to do something for Jesus while there's still time. This is the time. This is the place. And we are the people that God seeks to use to make a difference in this world. Join us in this cause. Will you take up the shield of faith? Will you charge the gates of hell with us? I pray that you do. Just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I die, how glad I shall be that the lamp of my life were burned out for thee. Let's take a stand. He that will be silent will be forgotten. John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And we will cry in the wilderness. We will lift our voice. And with God's help, we seek to make a difference. Jude said, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Join us as we seek to equip you for this last stand in this last hour. The Lord is calling you. Will you answer him?